It's time to pick up the phone. Answer that call. This call is your calling and you can't hide from it or ignore it. That passion you have to help people and make a difference isn't going anywhere. You deserve to get paid and paid well doing work you love and changing lives. Everything in your life has led you here. And now we're here to help you figure out how to make your destiny your reality. Welcome to Six Figure Certified Coach, the podcast hosted by Inner Glow Circle. IGC is an internationally accredited life coaching school created to take your existing professional skills paired with your life experience and turn it into a six-figure coaching business. We've trained thousands of successful coaches and now it's your turn. Let's get focused, get real, and get you six-figure certified. Big thank you to Paperbell, our podcast sponsor. Paperbell is the new tool that powers your online coaching business. Paperbell handles your payments, appointment scheduling, sending files to your clients, contract signing, and more. You can get started with a free account at paperbell.com slash podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to our next episode of Six Figure Certified Coach. I have a really special guest here with me. I'm so excited to introduce you guys to her. Her name is Maeve Ronan. Hey, Maeve. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So Nate has a really long resume. I'm just going to give you guys some highlights. She is an author, a youth mental health speaker. She has written three books, which I have right here and we're going to talk about. Um, and they're so cute and fun and also real and have a lot of depth. Um, she has impacted over 50,000 people, probably even more with the way that people share and stuff on, on TikTok. But she's got a big following on TikTok. And she talks about really real topics around mental health, self-improvement, depression. Um, the book, It's the Depression for Me. Was this the first one you wrote? Yeah, that was the first one. Okay. So this has reached best-selling charts on Amazon. So it's an Amazon bestseller. You've got a lot of reviews online, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of glowing reviews. So... Um, I'm really excited to have this conversation today. Thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to be here too. Yeah. So to kick us off, tell us a little bit about your business, your books, and in your words, exactly what you do. For sure. Yeah. So I'm an author and a speaker for teens and youth in general. So I wrote these three books a couple years ago now. And so I primarily sell these books and I go into schools and do workshops and speaking events. And really what I'm hoping to do is bring social and emotional learning skills to teens and mental health tools and really just hope in a way that they're really craving for right now, but they might not be getting from school or from family and they might lack those mentorships in their life. So really a way to reach youth in a positive way and to bring them that mentorship that we all kind of wished we had at that age. So that's primarily what I do. And I'm really excited to be able to reach teens even around the world with these books through social media and be able to continue bringing new tools and workshops and speaking events to really reach more and more kids. Yeah, I love that. We talked about this the first time we chatted on the phone, but one of IGC's value propositions is 
to create the thing you wish existed in the world. And from what I've learned from you and about you so far, it seems to me that these books and all of the initiatives that have you know, come out of it, your platform online, et cetera, that's something that you really wished existed when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because I always wanted to do something with my life when I was a teenager. And I just felt so stuck. And I was from a small town. Everyone just stuck to the status quo and like, just never left that town or did a normal job. And I always wanted something more. And then it took me until I was in my 20s to really learn about these self-improvement tools and leadership skills and entrepreneurship. And I was like, why didn't anyone teach me this when I was a teenager? Like, I was kind of frustrated by it. I'm like, yeah, this is great. This is what I've been wanting, but I wish I had this five years ago, six, seven years ago. And so, yeah, that was really my goal with the books was, okay, let's take what I've learned from people I've learned from. I interviewed successful people from around the world, read so many self-improvement books, even started getting into uh, different you know, mental health tools like cognitive behavioral therapy and really researched them. And they've changed my life so much. Like I went from being super depressed and suicidal to actually liking my life and being social. And when I got to that point, I was like, oh my goodness, why doesn't this exist for high schoolers or middle schoolers? And if it does, who's doing it? How can I learn from them? How can I help them? And so that's the goal of these books is that they're super helpful and they're great tools, but they're also relatable. Like it's not overcomplicated. It's not written to a 20, 30, 40 year old starting a business. It's written to someone sitting in class wishing they could be living their own life. So that's what makes them really unique. Yeah. As I've been reading, I feel like it's just like talking to a friend. And I think that's what's so important, especially for your age demographic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was also a risk was writing them pretty informally. Like you're talking to a friend. That was definitely a style choice that many people did not get until I put the books out there. And then people started to love it because a lot of my age demographic, they don't love to read, right? They don't pick up a book outside of school. And the fact that it felt like you were talking to a friend, they loved it. And they're like, oh my goodness, this makes reading actually fun. And so today, you know, a lot of people love it. Some, I feel like some adults still don't entirely get it, but most of them who work with kids, work with teens, teachers, educators, they're like, Oh my goodness. This is exactly what my kids need. They'll actually read a book. Yeah. Yeah. Are you willing to tell us how old you are now? Yeah, I'm 26 now. You're 26. And how old were you when you wrote the first book? So it came out two years ago. So Mm -hmm. I was 24, but I started interviewing people and researching it about two or three years prior. So I started writing when I was 20. Okay. That's incredible. And you kind of talked about this a little bit, but when you were young, like when you were a kid, what dreams and visions and ideas did you have 
have of what you wanted to be when you quote unquote grew up? Yeah, I always hated when people asked me that question when I was younger because I never knew and I felt like there was something wrong with me because I didn't know. Mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of vision in a sense, but not in the way in which people were asking me. So I always knew I wanted to do something important, something big, impact people, but I just didn't know what. So when people would ask me, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? I tried on a, a lot of different titles. You know, I was like a lot of girls in the horse phase for a while, which actually has continued throughout my life. I love riding horses, but so at one point in my life, I wanted to be a vet or a horse trainer. And then at one point I thought about going into the police force or the military. Like I tried on a lot of different options, um, but I, it's funny because the one, well, the two things I vowed I would never be was a writer and a teacher. And it's ironic because those are the two things that I am now. Um, cause writing. Why, yeah, why I, yeah. Yeah. Because writing stressed me out. Like I would get a prompt and look at the paper and it would be blank. And I would literally have a panic attack because I would get so stressed. There was so much pressure at school and I didn't know how to get the ideas from my head onto the paper. And I thought your first draft had to be perfect. Yeah. And so it just stressed me out. And then <laughs> teaching, I just, I understood a lot of things in school and I'm like, I, when my friends would ask me questions, I'm like, I don't know how to help you. Like, I just, it just makes sense in my head. How, how can you break something down? Mm. So I've grown in that and I've actually grown to really love it. Well, I think that's important and that's worth highlighting, right? Because a lot of times we, there are things that we're actually naturally drawn to or that utilize our natural gifts, but we don't know how to break them down into a process, right? Like, so for teaching, for example, like you have this gift of understanding, which made you feel that, okay, well, how am I going to teach it to someone if I just get it? Right. But clearly with your books, you've learned how to break down your own process and teach it to other people so that they can duplicate it and they can take it and make it their own. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Oh my God, Liv, people are always coming to me asking how to make six figures as a life coach. And I'm like, what? Like it's hard? It's easy if you just go to class. To get our free class on how to make six figures in your coaching business, all you need to do is text the words six figures to 813-212-8869. Again, text six figures to 813 212 8869 to get our free class on how to make six figures as a life coach today. Now let's get back to the episode. So what is your history with writing, with social media, with sharing your story? When did you start to change your relationship to those things? Yeah. So I think my relationship with social media started pretty young in a way because I grew up where Snapchat came out when I was in middle school and YouTube was starting to get big in 2014. It was sort of that 
like vlogger era and mm -hmm. my sisters and I made videos on YouTube and we would do skits and make music videos for bands we were going to see and we kind of I think learned early on the power of social media and how it can really connect you with people because you know we would have our concerts and band fandoms that you connect with on Twitter and you know so we were really exposed to that and I think it showed me how much you can do with social media and how fun mm -hmm. it was. I really loved editing videos. Mm -hmm. um, I think social media is a little bit different now and it's, oh, the focus is a little different, but I was always exposed to that. And then sharing my story, I think, yeah, when I got into my twenties and realized there's a lot of things I wish I knew, I wish someone taught me that's when I started to pair the two together. Like, oh, this is something you can share on social media. Mm. And it was a bumpy ride at first. I mean, you think you know everything and here you are on a platform telling people what to do. Um, but over time, you kind of learn how to use your platform better. And yeah, like anything, you develop your skill a little bit more. Yeah. So talk to us about that a little bit, because a lot of the people that are in our audience that are listening to this podcast are people who are, you know, wanting to make a name for themselves online, or they're wanting to share more content online. They're entrepreneurs, or they're thinking about entrepreneurship. And one of the big fears that people have is around social media, right? It's around visibility and being seen. And as you and I both know through our own experiences, being seen, you know, when you've dealt with mental health challenges, you want to be seen, but then sometimes you don't want to be seen, right? It can be with this real internal battle. So could you share for us, you know, when someone's starting out on a new platform or they're launching a new business and they want to bring it to Instagram or TikTok or any social media platform, what are some of the things that you could share that might encourage someone who's feeling a little discouraged? Yeah, for sure. That's such a big part of it. And I know it's something that stops a lot of people from doing it, but yeah, social media can be hard and it can be scary. And I think there's two things that have really helped me through it um, because I've gotten plenty of negative comments. I mean, anything you put out there, is going to get criticism, right? And so I think, yeah, one thing that has really helped me is knowing that, is that, okay, if you're doing anything worthwhile, you're probably going to upset someone. And that doesn't mean what you're doing is wrong. It just means, okay, maybe there is a little issue with it that you need to fix, which is just a part of the journey, right? It's just a process where you're learning. And you're learning publicly too, which is so hard because you're not mm. developing a full product and putting it out. You're putting a product out, you're growing, you're learning, you're revising it and going back to it. And all the while people are watching you on social media, even if it's only your family right now, but that's mm. hard and you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. So I think I've learned to, trust the process, not take yourself too seriously and like 
just continue growing and improving. And then also what's been helpful is not attaching your value and your worth to the work you put out online because mm -hmm. if everything you do comes back to your value and your purpose it's like you're gonna feel really bad about yourself if someone's attacking you online but if you can say like hey i'm so valuable as a person as a human like whether or not i'm doing this i still have worth i'm still loved if you can do that then if someone's attacking your work online or no one's buying it it's gonna feel less disappointing yeah because you know it's it's your work it's not who you are necessarily so that's right. been super helpful yeah. yeah so some separation of our identity right like we are not our work our work is something that comes through us right and we birth it out into the world but people are going to have their own reactions and their own interpretations. And especially when you're getting this steep with the content and the topics that you're talking about, people are going to have their own response to it. And so I agree with you, like saying like, this isn't personal. It's their own reaction and understanding that you know, sometimes when we talk about big topics, hot topics, you know, topics that not everybody's willing to talk about that can trigger people. And sometimes they, that's what they need to really dive in and start to focus on that part of their life. But sometimes we end up being kind of the activator for them. And there can be a lot of different reactions to that. Right. Yeah. You can't take it personally. I mean, you got to seek out advice and wisdom from the people you trust and your mentors, of course, to improve, but someone commenting online is just, it's not something you have to listen to. And what about, you know, I've, I've gone through your TikTok and like, I can see the, you know, your progression and your development, right? So we get better at these things, the more that we do them. So for someone completely, you know, starting fresh, maybe their fear isn't that they're going to get hate online. Maybe their fear is, I don't understand how to use the platform or like my videos aren't going to look as good as her videos, or I don't know how to do all the fonts and the colors. And what about that part? Like, what about, you know, the logistics of it? Do you feel that you've gotten better? What would you say to someone who's wants to start this, but is afraid of, I guess the, the technology? Yeah, that's a real thing too. Yeah. I mean, the great thing about social media and the internet today is that authenticity is so celebrated and the realness behind it is celebrated. So even though you might see these curated um, feeds, I think even a platform like TikTok, it, that's not necessarily celebrated. It's more of the content and the material. So you don't have to have all that fancy stuff you can just have really good content and even just showing up as you every day is people love that because when i started my videos i didn't have I, even now my my TikTok feed isn't that manicured i mean it's just real and um you know there's audiences out there that love that and i think too i mean there's people who are so well established in their industry now that are kind of they were kind of already established before social media. 
And some of them don't have super solid social media pages either. And they still build clients and they still make those connections. So, I mean, social media is a tool, but it doesn't have to be your main, like, creative outlet necessarily. Um, But it can just be a way to connect with people. Yeah. And so you mentioned like, you know, you have to have good content, right? That that's the draw. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfectly manicured. Not everything needs to be edited or whatever, but it has to be good content. How do you define good content? Right. I think that is different for everyone. Um, So for me, when I'm working with youth, you know, my content is going to be one key takeaway even something like believe in yourself. You know, it sounds cliche, but it's something these kids might have never heard before or no one might have ever told them that like their life is worth living when things change. So you have to know your audience, right? If it's Mm -hmm. you're talking to working professionals, if you're talking to a specific industry, it's got to be much more uh, complex. Well, not complex, but at least involved and at the level they're looking for. But I think with anything, good content just means a good takeaway. You, you need to have an actionable step for them. Um, whoever's reading it or watching it to really act on. So, and wherever you are in your journey, I mean, I know a lot of people listening are coaches. Even if you're just starting, just share what worked for you. I mean, you don't have to reinvent the wheel or you know, make some crazy new invention, just say what worked for you. And if it's a, a tool that you learned from someone else, just credit them and share these ideas. And I don't know, I think we get caught up a little bit in needing to like create something super unique, but sometimes we just need to share what worked for us. And yeah people out there just like your unique voice and that's all you need. Yeah. And I think people like simple, they like bite size. They like something that they can easily digest, right? Obviously on TikTok, you're not looking for a dissertation. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. Do you think your purpose in life is to create invoices or remind your clients that they have more appointments to schedule? Not at all. You're a coach because you love creating transformation for your clients. And that's why you need to check out Paperbell. Paperbell powers your online coaching business, payments, appointments, contract signing, client management, and more. It's so simple to use and will give you so much relief and ease in your coaching practice. You just send your clients one link, one link, and Paperbell does all of the admin and onboarding. Your client pays you, they sign the contract, they self-schedule their appointments, and you can even add an intake survey or deliver a welcome packet. Paperbell does it all. It's like having a VA that's there 24-7. And it's so quick and intuitive to set up, even if you're not tech savvy. Paperbell is a one-stop shop that does all of the boring admin stuff so you don't have to. Get started with a free account at paperbell.com slash podcast. One thing I love so much about you and your work is how raw you are willing to be. Has it always been that way when you started sharing your story? Were you like, okay, I'm just going to share it all? Or have you gotten more raw, real, and vulnerable through time? It's definitely developed over time. I think it's being raw and vulnerable is scary in the first 
even just in general. And then online is a whole nother thing because anyone can see it. And so I was super reserved as a kid. I was super shy. So I was certainly not telling everyone my life story. <laughs> and, you know, when I was struggling as a teen, most kids in my class didn't even really know. And that's something I speak on when I do public speaking. It's just kind of putting on this mask and acting like everything is perfect when in reality there's things happening. But, you know, you kind of have to learn how to pick which stories you want to share. And mm -hmm. I think I got caught up in the pressure for a while of being completely authentic, completely genuine, like being open, sharing everything. And I've grown to learn that, you know, you, you got to pick the stories that share the message that you want to communicate with your mm -hmm. audience. You don't need to tell them your entire life, every single thing, but mm -hmm. whatever is related to what you're teaching. And so that is a skill that I've learned to develop and I'm still developing and it, yeah, it just takes time. And I think whatever you're speaking on, you know, for me, a lot of this is mental health related. And so it can be hard to talk, talk about when it's very deep and painful, but you know, the further along you're healed in your journey, the further away from whatever you're talking about that happened, the easier it is to talk about and share because you're more separated from it and you can enter back into it without it being super emotional. Yeah. So that's also been a muscle I've had to, to grow. I love that. I think that's really important. I've heard people say, um, speak from a scar, not a slab. Hmm. And that's been really important in my journey too. And we talk a lot on this podcast about, you know, when you're building a business that's connected to you and your story, like you said, in the very beginning, it can start to feel very personal, right? But your story, once you start to put it out there, it's almost like not just your story anymore. It's this, this story, this anecdote, this, you know, experience that other people can relate to and connect can connect to and they start to make it their own and you know it's so important when we have a business that's connected to our story and our background that we have some internal rules for what we share and how we share it and when we share it and we've done a lot of episodes before on you know, what's too messy, right? So if you, a lot of the people we're talking to are coaches and when often people get into the coaching business because they have a story to share and they've had people help them along the way and they want to start to, to do the same thing. And so, you know, there's people that get on the internet and they share every detail of their day and they share the the good, but like mostly they share a lot of the bad, right? And it becomes this like venting place. And there are, I believe that the way to be successful is to have some internal rules for yourself. And I love what you said about, you know, kind of managing your level of vulnerability 
And I think it's so important as the more you become a public person, right, which anybody can be in the world that we live in today, that you have some experiences in your life that are yours and that are private and that are sacred, at least during the time that you're going through them. Because sometimes we don't even fully understand what we're going through until it becomes that scar and not the scab. Yeah, totally. I think that's so true because especially when you're going through something, you're not always speaking out of the best place. You know, you're speaking through emotions, you're reacting versus responding. So you have to be really careful about that. But what I'll also add is that, you know, and this happened to me, I talk about this a lot in my book, but I launched my company, IGC, and then exactly 100 days after opening the doors of the business, we, you know, I got a phone call that my, my youngest brother had passed away. And I was really, you know, quite frozen and, and traumatized and like numb in that exact moment. But I also had this business that I had started and was serving like 50 people right away. And I had, you know, like 15 women working for me and I had to figure out a way. Thank God I had surrounded myself with such a big support system, but you know, I also believe that, and I wonder if this is something that you've struggled with. I certainly have that sometimes when you do this kind of work, when you're a coach or a writer or a teacher, or you're in the self-help space, there's sort of this, this lie that we sometimes start to absorb and believe that we have to have it all together and that our lives have to be perfect. And sometimes, you know, people, our clients, our community, our audience puts that expectation on us. And I think it's such a good opportunity to say, no, like I am not perfect. I don't have it all together. This is my work. This is my practice. I'm committed to living a life of openness and awareness and, you know, processing, but I'm still a human. And so I wonder for you how you find that balance sometimes. Yeah, I definitely face that. I mean, it's so challenging because it's, it's just easy to slip into, to tell yourself that you have to have it all together because people expect that of you. And yeah, I feel that way sometimes because I work with youth and I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to be a positive role model and I made a mistake. And, but I think, I think it's just important to be honest in your work, right? Like I even write this in my books. Hey, like, I'm not going to give you all the answers to your life, but I'm going to share what helped me. And I think, I think that's the key to it is really just, okay. You know, like, Sometimes I see life as a puzzle where you just get a new piece every so often that kind of helps fill in your learning journey. So, all right, I might have a couple more pieces to the puzzle of learning about entrepreneurship or about self-help or mental health. And these have been helpful for me. And so, you know, I'm going to share them with you to someone who might not have those lessons learned yet. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it it by no means means that we have to have it all together. So I've pretty much rejected that um, mentality because I definitely had that at the beginning. 
of yeah. my writing career. And it just started like eating away at me. I mean, every time I would post a video, every time I would do a podcast, every time I would get interviewed, I would get so stressed because I'm like, this is going to live on the internet forever. What if I say something that's not good? What if someone sees through me? What if someone knows that, you know, I'm struggling in this area or, and it's like, yeah, you're right. We're just humans. And you're going to hold yourself to high standard and you're going to keep learning and growing and provide good resources and, you know, have a high moral code and be the best person you can be. But yeah, we also have really bad days sometimes and yeah, no one's perfect. So I think it's so important to remind yourself of that and just try to let go of it however you can. Otherwise it'll just kind of eat away at you because I definitely felt that. Yeah. And really like that whole pressure that it needs to be perfect is the problem, mm -hmm. right? Like that's causing a lot of like the mental health dilemma that we're in as a culture is like this pressure of this lie that, you know, people, people, how people show their lives on social media in particular is the full truth. And we know it's not. But when that's what you see, it's so hard to not believe it and then not compare. And so I really think that it's so important for leaders, you know, like you, like me, like the people that are listening to this to be transparent and be vulnerable, but do it in a way that isn't sloppy, right? Where people still maintain their trust for you. And so sometimes as an example, what that looks like is saying, the reason why I'm sharing this is because, or saying I'm using this as a teaching moment, right? Yeah. And, and still maintaining the awareness of the role that we play and, you know, upholding that like lens of leadership per se, but being human and being vulnerable inside of it. And I think that invites other people to find the leader within them and be vulnerable and be open, but also lead through that experience. Yeah, that's so good. I love that perspective. I think that's even helpful. Yeah. So, okay. One of the big themes or the theme of season two in this podcast is telling people's before stories because we see the after story. You're this beautiful young woman. You've written three books in very pretty colors with lots of amazing stories and incredible advice. And a lot of people, I'm sure, look at you and are like, okay, great. Like her life was so hard for like this short period of time, but now it's all together, which we know is complete BS. However, I'd love for you to give us a little bit of a look back, like, and we can go back to like 2020 when you published your first book, maybe where were you then? And where, where are you this year? So as a writer, as an entrepreneur with your first book, this one, and then 2022, what's changed? What stayed the same? How have you grown through the process? Give us some insights to that. For sure. I am definitely still in progress. That's for sure. I have not arrived anywhere 
but man, in 2020, I had just quit my job in Massachusetts where I'm from and moved to Texas, Fort Worth, Texas for just to go explore. I just wanted to go down there for the summer and see what it was like down there. And man, that is when I got this this drive to really get my book out. So I had been interviewing people, working on it, but that's when, you know, COVID hit and I was posting videos on TikTok and the kids, you know, watching my live streams and we're, we're just like, oh my goodness, your videos are so helpful. I'm struggling so much. Like publish your book already. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. So I had this hunger to put it out there. Meanwhile, I am living in a one bedroom apartment like by myself. I barely have any friends down there. I don't even have a couch in my living room. I literally just have like the Wi-Fi box on the floor because I couldn't afford anything. And I was trying to save money because I literally was unemployed. And I just started working on this book. I would go to this co-working space and be there till midnight some nights just frantically writing and posting videos and marketing. And I was so lost at that point in my life. Like I had a clear vision about the book, but everything else, like mm. friendships, family, mental health, like all these things were not going well for me. So it was helpful to be able to really laser focus in on this product and this book. And I, mm. I think it helped because it was actually such a fun time in my life. And I, I don't regret it because, you know, it worked. It created something great. My life doesn't still look like that. But I just remember I had an idea. I wanted to publish this book. I mm -hmm. thought it could help someone out there. Mm -hmm. But I had no publisher, no investors. No one even really knew about it or was rooting for me other than my parents. And even they thought the title was weird and that it was too informal. And I just published it because I put a teaser out on TikTok of the first chapter and people loved it. Like 500 people signed up to get it and loved it. And I was like, I think maybe we should just do this. And so I literally went from not even knowing if anyone would read this to publishing it and then like hundreds of orders coming through and it was super exciting but also I had no help I had no team I would be there in my apartment packaging books like all hours of the day in my pjs like now having to run a like customer service section of my website shipping books around the world and it was awesome, but it was chaotic and there was not really systems and there was, it was hard. And I think it's great to grow and it seems really glamorous to go viral and it's mm -hmm. awesome and I'm so grateful for it. But also if you don't have the back end, like stuff figured out, it's going to be incredibly difficult to keep up. And, um, so since then, since 2020, I definitely have more stability in my life and I'm building more systems in my business and more long-term plans, which 
has felt so good this past year. So looking more at, you know, how am I getting into schools? How am I getting into nonprofits and public speaking? And, you know, what do I need to set up to have bookkeeping really well in my business or have new products coming out? So I think, yeah, the biggest thing that's changed definitely is, is learning how to not just get caught up in the, oh my goodness, I want to be an entrepreneur. I have a product. Let's do this. And that passion and fire is so good. And it's good mm-hmm. to do that. But then having the actual structure behind it to let it actually flourish and live and stand like the test of time. Hi, it's Kalia, IGC coach training grad and six-figure certified coach. I know you're here listening to these incredible stories of successful coaches and wondering, when will it be my turn? I'm sure you entered this year with the goal of finally stepping into your purpose. And there is no better way than enrolling in IGC's internationally accredited coach training program. Enrollment is open now and it is your turn. So take the first step by going to innerglowcircle.com forward slash call right now and book a free call with me. Your six-figure certified story starts today. Well, sometimes as entrepreneurs, we make plans, like we make really extensive plans, right? Some people like get addicted to planning and like all they do is plan and they never take action, but like they've got this crazy business plan or, you know, it's, it's something I see a lot where people have the best of intentions, but they struggle with the execution. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side of entrepreneurship where you just start to like throw some spaghetti at the wall, see what sticks. And you just start trying things and experimenting and it might not be perfect timing and you might not be ready, but eventually you figure out the systems that's needed. Eventually you stop, you know, doing it in your living room and you find a company that can help with the shipping process or you know, eventually you start to work out the kinks, but I do think inevitably at one point or another, or often many points in an entrepreneur's life, there are going to be times of chaos. Hopefully it's like organized chaos or controlled chaos or, you know, but there are times where you're like, I don't really know what's happening right now. I'm just trying to keep up and trying to stay afloat. And, you know, I also think that especially as women, like when we have a lot going on in our lives, a lot of the students that we work with, they have a day job, then they're doing a side hustle, then they're working on a book, then they're, you know, a parent and they've got children there. They have a partner, they have aging parents. Like, so their life has a lot of demands. And oftentimes we just follow our heart, we follow our gut, and it does look kind of messy for a period of time. But I think what you and I would both agree on is like, you can't live there forever. Eventually you have to start to build out some systems to make this work for you a little bit better. And what I'm hearing you say is that you've gone back and now you're making the plans and now you're really figuring out, okay, how am I really going to support myself in terms of financially, in terms of my energy, in terms of my bandwidth, like what is this really going to look like for me? Yeah. And so I love that. And the other thing I heard you 
so sort of allude to was that social media for you became something that actually held you accountable. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful. And I think that's really beautiful because a lot of times with social media, you know, we, we want to give something back, right? Like we want to contribute to the world and that's why we put things on social media and share our thoughts and share our content. But social media also can do something for us in return, which it can hold us accountable. Like as soon as you start to put this content out there, people are like, wait, no, I really love this. I really want this. And you started to see a need. And I believe that the best businesses, the best books are created for a need. People talk so much, at least in the coaching industry, about niching. Like, what's my niche? Who am I going to serve? Who exactly am I talking to? And you kind of started talking, like just talking, just sharing about the things that were important to you. The people started to come and gravitate and find you and obviously share your work. And then you were like, wait, I have all these people that, you know, want, want what I'm offering. Now I can't disappear. Now I have to follow through. And it really, in my opinion, held you accountable to getting your book fully out there and fully birthed into the world. It really did. Yeah. Because there are these people telling me, I want your book. I want to read it. And I'm like, okay, I better write it. Right. Um, so I totally agree. And I think, yeah, one of my favorite ways to really know your niche and to target, like know your target audience is to just, yeah, put content out there and ask them what they want. I mean, I just love getting in there and figuring it out and versus trying to come up with a plan in my head. I feel like I never make any progress. So I definitely mm -hmm. wouldn't do anything differently. I think that chaos is sort of part of the entrepreneurial journey and just learning to be creative and adapting and yeah, making things better as you go, because I wouldn't have had it all figured out. Yeah, I would have had a plan and this perfect little book and then maybe no one would have liked it. So it's just all a part of the journey. And yeah, it, it's never linear. I think it always kind of has these turns you don't expect, but, but it works out. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I would encourage people to look at their relationship with social media and with their audience and with the world and with your community. And like you were saying earlier, if you're not on social media, if you hate social media, that's fine. Like, but look at your relationship with the people around you as a engaged relationship where you can give and you can get information and you can start to create from that place, right? Like so much of what you're talking about and what you've created has happened through listening. Yes. And you really listen to people. You had to learn how to listen to yourself probably after years or decades of not listening. And, you know, now a big practice for you has been listening to the people around you, listening to the people who have raised their hands and say, I'm interested in your work, who have liked to post or followed you or, right. And, you know, and I know like you, people come out of the woodworks and they're like, I've been following you for years and, 
you've never heard from them before, right? You don't, we have these like silent fans and these people that really connect to us and connect to our message. And so sometimes you don't hear a lot of feedback, but you know, you have to take the feedback that you are getting the likes, the comments, the messages, and really listen and also engage with your audience, engage with the people that, you know, you're, you're serving in your life and, and just listen, like, mm-hmm. even like when I'm out with my girlfriends, like I, I, I love to listen and just hear what people are dealing with. Like, obviously I listen to my clients. I listen to our students. I listen to people when they tell their stories on podcasts, but when you listen, you get such a better idea of what's actually going on with people. And then you can start to create solutions for those people and the world through that. Yeah. And even just listening to the one person in front of you and not thinking you need like a focus group of a hundred people or a bunch of people to fill out your survey. Like, yeah, even the one in front of you that's telling you what they need. I think that's important because yeah, I was speaking to probably 10 people for a long time. (laughs) I was speaking to just my mom and my sister at my first workshop, you know, like no one else showed up and just, okay, asking my sister, what did you think? And then the next time I did one, there was one, one person who showed up and it's like, okay, not to take that personally and let it affect your ego, but it's like, okay, well, there's a person in front of me or five people commented on my post. So let's have them, you know, they're valuable too. Yeah. And that's so important as we close out here, you know, the, the whole theme of this season is telling the before story. And I love that you shared that your, you know, your audience was 10 people, right. And sometimes it was one person and now it's grown to over 50,000 people following your work and subscribing and probably like every time you post a video and they see it on their feed, they're like, Oh my God, there she is again. I just love her. Right. But it didn't start out that way. And you had to have the foresight and the commitment and, you know, the dedication. And, you know, sometimes I think it's like a stubbornness a little bit. Like, we're just like, I just really want to do this, you know? And sometimes we have to have that, that commitment to ourselves and our dreams and our ideas and let that, to your point, let that, those 10 people, let that one person be enough of a reason for us to keep showing up. Because if you hadn't kept, continued to show up, you would have never gotten to this level of success online. Right. And so I know there's a next level for you. I know that you're committed to your own growth, but to, to, to map this out for people and to have other people see like, no, you start where you start, but you make the most of that beginning. And that's how you get to the next step is so important. Exactly. Yeah. Yay. That's so inspiring. I love it. Well, it's, I literally was just describing you. So you're <laughs> inspiring. Um, okay. Maeve, as we wrap up here, what's your last piece of advice for our listeners? Yeah, I think it goes along with what you were saying, and it sounds super simple, but the most impactful thing that has been for me is really just to start, like start where you're at, Mm -hmm. because so many of us get caught up with thinking we're not good at something, so we shouldn't do it or can't do it. And it's like, well, of course you're not good at it. You've never done it or practiced it, but if you spent time practicing it, then 
maybe you would get good. So, and that was one of the biggest things when I interviewed people for the book and did research was they just said, just start, like start where you're at, get going, Mm. incremental steps. I mean, that's how my books came out. I had more to write than just the first book. And I was like, I just got to get this first one out and then I'll keep going. And just to build off of what you can do now. So I think that's definitely my big takeaway and one that helps me every day, even when prepping for, for podcasts or for interviews is like, okay, let me just start my prep. It's not going to be done yet, but I got to do the first 10 minutes to get it done. So yeah, that's what I would say. I love that. That's so important. Okay. Final thing. Um, where can we find you? Where can we find your books? Tell us that. Yeah. So the books are pretty much on any online retailer, but Amazon would be the best place. I mean, it's the most popular place to get them. And then my website, maveronan.com, M-A-E-V-E-R-O-N-A-N.com has, you know, my email is there. My socials are there. My, just my name. Good thing about a unique name, it just comes up. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you're looking to get them in bulk for schools or your company or anything, um, mm. you can just email me because the bulk pricing is cheaper and I can set that up. And yeah, I would be happy to hear from anyone if this influenced you at all or if you have any more questions. Awesome. And did you tell us your TikTok? Yeah, TikTok is Maeve Ronan at Maeve Ronan. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for imparting all of your wisdom on us. And this was so fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Bye guys. Let's face it. The world needs you and your clients are waiting. This is the year you make it happen and become a six figure certified coach doing exactly what you were called to do. If you loved this episode, give us a five-star review and share it with someone else who's ready to make moves and answer their calling. We can't wait to see you next week and help you make your first or your next six figures as a certified coach.